You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room, we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 75, we're discussing Wonder Woman. I'm Ernie Rose, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. Welcome back to the table, buddy. It's here, the Wonder Woman review. I've been waiting for this film for seven years and I finally got to see it and, but wow. Yeah, I, I can't believe that we actually <laughs> are sitting here discussing Wonder Woman. Going back a couple of years even to when we started this and we're talking about the DC Cinematic Universe and Man of Steel, to think of that in only two years we'll be sitting around the table talking about a Wonder Woman movie, that has to blow your brain, especially <laughs> a guy that is a mega fan when it comes to Wonder Woman. I mean, I've always said as soon as I read the first Wonder Woman comic from the New 52 run, she would make the best movie. It's pretty much like 300, but with Amazons. And I wasn't wrong. That was fantastic. And to see it in theaters and to see it come to life was truly breathtaking. Just feels a little weird that there's three dudes discussing Wonder Woman. Like I feel like we need like a woman in here to get like a female perspective on this film. Well, I think everyone loved this, whether yeah. you're male or female. This is a massive movie. And you know, coming off of the back end of some of the DC Extended Universe films, this one, like we said last week, had a lot to lose and a lot to gain. And I think the performance of this movie really speaks for the quality of it. And I think people are now excited or at least more optimistic for this universe going forward and going into Justice League. I'm one of these hounds that were ready to pounce on this movie if it was not good. We spent the last year or so really digging in to the DC Extended Universe. We had Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad last year that heavily underperformed. It were liked by some, mm-hmm. Sanjay yourself included. <laughs> the one of the few. <laughs> but they really fell short of the mark when it comes to putting their big superheroes into films. And this was their really their last shot here because we've had a lot of Batman iterations. We've had a Man of Steel. The yes, it was somewhat divisive, but around this table at least, we're all quite in favor of that movie. Mm-hmm. And this was the last time that they really had to put an origin movie, a solo movie of one of their Trinity figures onto the big screen. And if this didn't land, this spelled disaster for the DC universe. It is absolutely incredible what positive word of mouth can do for a movie. And we discussed the praise of Patty Jenkins, of Gal Gadot, of the movie, of the story, of the origin of Wonder Woman. And now sitting here discussing it, I see what the buzz was about. You know, I'm one of the naysayers. Like I said, I'm one of the ones that were looking for this to fail because I just didn't have the confidence in the studio. No, I'm being dead honest. Well, yeah, they haven't uh, inspired the general audience, the confidence, like... Um, you got Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, all three decisive films, to say the least. Um, some people love them, some people hate them. One thing you could say, though, they've all made bank at the box office, but that wouldn't have continued unless they got some sort of hit or some sort of movie that was not only critically but audience-loved as well. Yeah. And one thing about the DC Extended Universe films, 
they do tend to have large opening weekends. Each one of the films has opened to over $100 million. And we compare that to even the Rotten Tomatoes score. And like I've said, every single review, we use that as a temperature gauge, not as an exact way to calculate or to, to see how audiences are loving this. But this is a bit of a temperature to see what the feel is for this. And when you look back at Man of Steel, it's sitting at 55%. That feels about right for how audiences took this. Half loved it, half hated it. When you look at Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad at 27 and 25%, <laughs> again, that shows what audiences were kind of feeling for that. Now, whether that was immediate disappointment in a movie that was supposed to be better and that was kind of a snap reaction, or if that was actually the quality of the film, I'm more of the latter on that. <laughs> but when you look at Wonder Woman... We have, have to check the... Uh, have you the audience scores as well like man of steel i think is at like in the 70s yeah and i think bvs and suicide squad are in the 60s so i think audiences were a little bit more receptive than critics oh i I think so and like you look at the the true fans of the dc universe right they're gonna do the same thing that i do with marvel Mm -hmm. is that i look at the positive things and try not to focus as much on the negative things and we kind of now here with the podcast and all that and doing movie reviews we have to be a bit more real with things we can't just kind of blindly look through a movie because it has a marvel tag or a dc tag on it speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time i think that when we spoke last week about wonder woman this thing was sitting at 97 percent on rotten tomatoes so again taking the temperature of the critics of the audience this was faring on the positive side and it currently sits at 93 percent. so this is up in the range of your dark nights as far is this very binary zero one type of rating system i think going to the audience score yes that's more appropriate towards the end when you have the review count and this sits probably in the 80 percent range right so when you actually look at this compared to its predecessors this already had a lot of momentum going into it and that's what it needed it was already put on this pedestal as well because it was the first female-led superhero movie directed by a woman i don't particularly like putting it into that pigeonhole i like to just rate this for what it is, a superhero comic book movie. But again, there is some importance to that and there needs to be focus in on that because when we look at what Wonder Woman actually pulled in this weekend, the $103 million, which is an incredible feat, and $125 million domestically, $200 plus million internationally, this is a massive movie. And this is the highest grossing movie for a female-led comic book hero, as well as a female director. So it's an important milestone. I think there needs to be a little bit of focus in on that, but I also want to pull back and just say, if it's the right director, if it's the right actress, if it's the right character, let's just go forward with it. I don't like the distinction. I know we need to recognize that, but it doesn't need to always be the most prevalent thing about the movie. Yeah, I think going forward, we will kind of get away from that. I think this kind of opens the door more so for, you know, films like um, Captain Marvel. And Mm -hmm. maybe we'll get a greenlit uh, She-Hulk even. Who knows? Black Canary movie. Well, she'd probably have to team with a couple other heroes (laughs) because she's not that popular. But um, yeah, yeah, just just great things all around with this movie. And hats off to Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot because she had the most writing on this. You know, a lot of people were worried about her acting chops. I think she shut everybody down with this movie. So um, yeah, great stuff. It reminds me of uh, Deadpool. Kind of had that buzz and how Ryan Reynolds is the perfect fit for Deadpool. Gal Gadot is the perfect fit for Wonder Woman. Like just like Christopher Reeves was for Superman, I can't or Christian Bale for Batman. I can't picture another actress in the world that could play Wonder Woman. Like I feel bad for the next person that tries to be Wonder Woman because they're just gonna fail. I mean, yeah. I wish them all the best, but it's a huge bar. And if you told me that two years ago or after BVS that Gal Gadot would be the definitive Wonder Woman after one movie, like I would have thought you're crazy. Yeah. But it's true. Like 
I can't think of a single actress that could play Wonder Woman now. I, I still go back to Thor uh, Alexander. I forgot her, yeah. her name. Jamie Alexander. Jamie Alexander. I still think she could have done this role justice. Not to take anything away from Gal Gadot, because I really do like mm-hmm. her new role, but I still think she could have been great. But, yeah. And she also had a, a real difficult task, too, because she essentially had three portrayals in the bag before she got a full audience reception of who she was. She had Batman vs Superman, which she was kind of in, mm-hmm. yeah. and people were very receptive to her, but she didn't really do much. Right. And then now you look, Wonder Woman and Justice League, right? Both filmed before the Wonder Woman movie dropped. Yeah. yeah. So she has this portrayal in three movies that she's kind of crafted, and no one's really seen exactly what she's going to do with the role. So for her, that's quite a daunting task. Like, if people didn't like who she was in the Wonder Woman movie, what does that do for Justice League and her portrayal in there? She has no opportunity to change that or to tweak or to do something different or to have the character rewritten in a different way to be a bit more receptive or maybe a bit closer to the comic book iterations. So there's, a, again, for that character, there's a lot riding here because if the fans didn't receive her well here, look out Justice League. Right. Oh, yeah. And talk about backlash. She was... Uh... There's backlash against her even before we saw one minute of her on screen. Yeah. People saying she's too skinny. Um, I saw some headlines like after the Wonder Woman trailer, she doesn't have hairy armpits. Like, you see that one? <laughs> oh, man. Just ridiculous. And just anything people could nitpick at her. And she shut down all those haters like bullets in no man's land. Like, just yeah. deflecting all the haters. Nice, nice call. Yeah. And, nice you know, hats off to her as well. I mean, she um, shot some of those scenes in No Man's Land while pregnant. Yeah. Like, yeah. I heard that they put a green screen over her pregnant <laughs> belly, and then they uh, CGI'd in her costume and stuff. But, man, I couldn't... Like, I've never been pregnant, but I've been around my wife who was pregnant, and I pff, hats off to her. I mean, that's yeah. impressive to do. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, pff, I, I couldn't do it. No. <laughs> and when you look at this movie in comparison to the other DC Cinematic Universe, DC Extended Universe films, it does sit on the bottom of the four. And you know, Batman vs. Superman debuted to $166 million. Suicide Squad and Man of Steel were upwards of $110, $120 million plus. And this sits mm-hmm. at the $100 million. And now when we reflect back to last week, to our predictions, this proves again that I am literally <laughs> the worst <laughs> at predicting box office. I predicted in the range of $70 million and on the top end, $85 million. Right. You both pegged that at about $100 million, yeah. which mm-hmm. is right on the money literally on the money (laughs) and this thing overperformed absolutely everywhere Mm -hmm. and again it comes back to this positive word of mouth i think people were talking about this there was the twitter buzz there was the buzz coming out of the theater people were telling friends and family to go see this movie not only because it's good because it's important to see this character and to prop up this universe and that's kind of the mindset I went in with this. I tried to be as open-minded as possible. Like I said, I was ready to pounce if this thing was not good. But <laughs> yes. at the same time, I was optimistic based off the praise and the critical reception that it was getting. But let's discuss, before we jump into the spoiler review, let's discuss a bit of our viewing and our experiences. What was the theaters like? What was your anticipation level going into this, Sanjay? Because you didn't get to talk about this last week too yeah, much. Yeah, my anticipation level for this was 10 out of 10. Um, I think the last time I was this excited for a movie besides Batman v Superman was probably the Dark Knight Rises. Um, and this thing, this thing killed it. Um, going in the theater was packed. I went to the IMAX showing at 7.30, I think, or 7.15, uh, just at the IMAX there. And 
it was packed and it was awesome just going in you see people dressed up as wonder woman i saw a couple costumes tons of t-shirts i was rocking my wonder woman t-shirt and i wasn't the only one and it was just like a fun atmosphere and it was really cool and neat to see everyone get together and you know we nerds we sometimes break each other down we have our little like serfdoms that we don't like to go get away from but it was nice to see everybody universally enjoying themselves and you know having a good time and god forbid enjoying a movie <laughs> <laughs> a dc movie yes a dc movie at that as well probably one of the more uh, critically beat up franchises that we have out there and yeah. it, it was nice and you know it was kind of funny because like after batman v superman i came out and i was like oh i really dug that and then like a lot of people in the theater were like oh i didn't like this or i didn't like that and and I was like, what? You guys are crazy. And then with this, everyone came out and we're like, oh, I love that. And they're like, yeah, that was awesome. It was, it was a fun experience. Really looking forward to Justice League now. And we still got Spider-Man and Thor as well. So this has been a great year for comic book movies. How about you, Troy? You guys saw it together now at the uh, IMAX in Calgary as well? or? Yeah, yeah. We did the AVX. The AVX, oh, okay. AVX screening opening day, well, Thursday night. Nice. Good experience, you know. Big, uh, big bucket of popcorn going on, going on there, and um, no, it's it's great. I I really enjoyed the experience. Um, I didn't see anybody dressed up. No, no. We're at the later showing. Yeah, it's okay. still it's still very busy. Still pretty busy. I rocked my Justice League of nice. America shirt, so I had Wonder Woman in there <laughs> as well. So I was, I was with you on that, but um, yeah, I yeah, there was nothing uh, nothing crazy that stood out to me. No, for the it, crowd. It was a fairly flat crowd. I didn't find that there was a lot of clapping or hooting a holler or anything like that. But people seemed to be genuinely engaged in the film for the whole time. And as far as AVX versus IMAX experience goes, I'm done with IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wear the glasses anymore. Okay, so yours wasn't 3D. It is 3D, yeah. but they're different glasses than the AVX. Yeah, they're oh. smaller. They're, they're sleeker. smaller. They're like a pair of actual sunglasses. Interesting. Yeah. And the AVX ones pinch my... I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like, it actually ruins the experience. It's painful. Yeah. yeah. They need to fix that. Like, I yeah. love the IMAX screen and mm-hmm. the size of it, and I can appreciate what they do there when they're shooting with the IMAX cameras and all that. But it's I can't do it anymore. I'm done. AVX is the way to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, while we're calling out companies, I'm gonna be calling out some companies as well. So I like to get a T-shirt of every movie for the DC Extended Universe. I got my Man of Steel that I'm rocking right now with General Zod. Uh, I got Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad. But where are the male T-shirts for Wonder Woman? I see tons of stuff. I go to Hot Topic. Lots of uh, T-shirts for women, which is awesome and great to see. But how about like one or two for men? I'm just saying like... Is there nothing in Old Navy? Usually they have kind of over the Yeah, corner. nothing yeah. for the movie at all. So that's unfortunate because they have the best um, like poster shots too coming out yeah. of this movie. So I'd love to see a Gal Gadot Wonder Woman on a t-shirt. Yeah. That's exactly. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, I mean for Batman v Superman there was Batman female t-shirts and you know I would just like... I mean, maybe I, maybe I should just try to wear a woman's Wonder Woman t-shirt. XXL. Maybe it'll fit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really slim and trim around. Yeah. <laughs> Get like a, I don't know, like a one, no, not a onesie. <laughs> What's, what are those called? Romper. Yeah. Yeah. I should rock a Wonder Woman romper. Uh, there you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, for those that are new to the podcast, we've just had our, our normal preamble to our reviews <laughs> and we're going to get into our, our spoiler heavy review here. We go through the movie somewhat chronologically and discuss different topics and different aspects of the movie and what we thought the movie was strong and some of the weaker points we try to go through this and highlight both the positives and the negatives and to see where we would like to see this franchise go by the time we get to the end of this with our recommendations so this is a full caution a full warning we're going spoiler heavy from this moment forward and guys are you ready to discuss wonder woman 
Let's do it. Should yep. we put in our hands and do a Wonder Woman chant? <laughs> Yo, cross, isn't the arm cross thing? Yeah. The bands? The I mean, isn't it cool that Wonder Woman came to the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo? Yeah. That was awesome. Did you guys check out the booth there? Oh, there's. I thought you meant Gal Gadot. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, yeah, Sanjay and I checked out that booth. And yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a nice, I think, Twitter. Is yeah, Twitter? you can yeah, check out my Twitter feed where I Twitter. did the uh, Wonder Woman post. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. They, like, photoshopped the gauntlets in there. No, they're real. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. What am I talking about? <laughs> All right. Well, this movie kicks off with a connection to our main timeline, to our Batman versus Superman timeline. And going in, we knew that this was going to take place probably in three different eras, being that it was an origin story for Wonder Woman that was set in World War One around 1918. And the movie, it, it kicked off a little differently than I thought it was going to with a very obvious nod to Batman, Bruce Wayne and a connection to the photograph that we did see in Batman vs. Superman, which hinted to Bruce Wayne that Wonder Woman was not really who she said she was, or Diana, I guess she was, at the party there. Mm -hmm. What did you guys think about jumping into the Batman vs. Superman timeline as opposed to going into what I thought was going to be a, a big preamble with Themyscira and going through the kind of the Greek god history? We did eventually get this, but it is a little later on in the movie. Any thoughts on how we kicked off here? Are you happy that we started off in this timeline? Yeah, it worked for me. Is you know pretty Avengerish like you know little little Tony Starkness going on there. But yeah, it totally worked for me. I didn't mind that. Yeah, uh, I agree. Did you guys check the uh, license plate out of the uh, Wayne truck there no, carrying no. the picture? What'd you get? It was I think it was JL eight two eight, and um, so it was Justice League, and I think it was Volume Two, Issue eighty two. And if you read, and if you look at that issue, it's the issue that Superman comes back from the dead. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So nice. they, they put that Easter egg in there. So if you haven't seen it or, you know, when you see the movie, check it out. That's pretty epic. I thought that was pretty cool. That is yeah. cool. I, I like how they, how they started off this movie here. I think that because we're so dislocated from our main timeline and yes, at the end of this, I'm going to tell you, you don't need to watch Batman vs. Superman, <laughs> but it's nice to nod to the current timeline because we're going to see... Wonder Woman show up in Justice League here. We need to have a bit of a connection point. And I like that they use this picture as that string, as that thread through the two movies and probably even into Justice League to kind of tie this universe together a bit. It was a little bit on the nose, but at the same time, I, I felt that it worked. I felt this was enough for this audience. It didn't belabor the point. Yes, there was this massive nod to Bruce Wayne in that, but yeah. I think it worked. I think people got what was going on here. It's kind of similar to what we saw in Suicide Squad yeah. with Bruce Wayne. It was just a slight nod to what's going on in the extended universe. And we didn't really need any more than this. I would have liked something a bit more towards the end, but I think this is the appropriate way to start this film. It's not just throwing you into the deep end. It's kind of acknowledging what came before, but then jumping straight into a different type and a different origin story for this character of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's pretty cool. I still think it would have been nice if they did go the route where actually when they explained the whole um, Ares and uh, Zeus battle, if it even started there with the mom telling the story. Oh, like Diana. at the beginning? At the beginning, yeah. just kind of get that origin and kind of leave a mystery of like, well, who is Diana or you know what happened there? And, mm -hmm. then, um, and then hit us with the, the photo at the end. I think that would still have been cool. But either way, it works for me. They had to mm -hmm. they had to go that route, I guess. It makes sense. So Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I kind of see this. It's the same way as, as Thor was. I'm going to compare this movie a lot right. to Thor yeah. and Captain America 1. Mm -hmm. um, not because I'm a Marvel fan, but just <laughs> yeah. because I see a lot of similarities here. Yes, and totally. Like the same way with Thor, where they kind of went into present day and said, here's Thor in present day, mm -hmm. and then we go to Asgard. It's yeah. the same way I see them doing it here. And I think it's just to not have this jarring introduction to yes. be like, here's 
all of Greek history, right. first thing that's on the page. Like, exactly. let's, let's just see Wonder Woman and kind of slowly get into the movie. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate what they did there. I, I like it. I, at first, I was like, do we really need to go to this timeline? I'm not a huge fan of this. Yeah. But once I got thinking, I was like, yes, this makes it sense. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the one thing I really liked is that they gave Wonder Woman her due. Like, this film is a standalone film. You don't have to watch any other films to kind of understand what's going on. And because of that, you know, they didn't put in Batman. They didn't put in Superman. There was no other cameos or anything. Let's let Wonder Woman shine. This is her first movie in 75 years. So let's let it be the Wonder Woman movie. Not, you know, the Wonder Woman movie with, you know, a 30-second after credit scene with Batman. Because then people would have been talking about that scene instead mm-hmm. of talking about Wonder Woman. And I'm really glad that they did that. So that way this film has like a timeless feel to it. Yeah, You know, definitely. it's not like something where you'd have to go and just be like, you know, I watched this, but I got to watch Batman v Superman to get what happens. Right. You can watch this movie, you know, they can play this movie on TV channels for the rest of the time and you can just sit down, watch it, enjoy it and be like, that was a great film. I don't have to watch anything else. You know, like it's just like its own separate piece, like its own piece of the pie kind of for this DC puzzle. I just mixed up two metaphors there. <laughs> His own piece of pie for the DC <laughs> pie <laughs> that we're getting. Yeah. I think that, that that's it's true. It is a timeless story. It's something you can just pluck and just watch. And I think that's a luxury that we really don't have anymore mm-hmm. with these cinematic universes is that we can't just sit down and watch a movie. Even you look at movies like Civil War, which are sequels to Cap 1, Cap 2, but you can't watch them sequentially they won't make sense yeah and don't get me wrong i love the cohesiveness of the universe absolutely but to have a movie that is a true origin story is very very rare mm-hmm. and to do a true origin story that actually hits and focuses in on a character like you look back at even ant-man and doctor strange and that yes they are true origin stories for those characters but they do a lot of nodding to the wider universe yes. mm-hmm. and they have to work themselves into the current fabric that exists before them with this it just kind of ignored almost everything and just did its thing and that led us right into the kind of this initial themiscura amazonian history lesson and again i really liked how they did this it wasn't a big cg battle that was confusing they kind of used what looked to be like almost ancient greek type art Mm -hmm. and kind of told this whole story around Ares and zeus and the amazons and how zeus created man and then he created the amazons because man were becoming corrupt Mm -hmm. and this whole battle about Ares killing off the gods and this kind of explained why we don't have gods anymore it was short it was to the point and i really liked how they did it it was similar to in guardians how they kind of did a different twist on telling a story mm-hmm. with the mannequins yes this oh, again yeah. here was something different it was wasn't this big cgi mess like i was thinking i know we we've got some images from justice league mm-hmm. where we're, we're going to get some sort of battle with what looks to be the amazons and maybe the parademons or whatever and that's right. going to be more of a massive lord of the rings s looking battle yeah. mm-hmm. this wasn't that this was a good intro to Greek mythology, something that we're somewhat familiar with, but it introduces a lot of the concepts that are strung right through this movie without just whacking you over the head with a ton of big CGI. They save that for Wonder Woman. They don't use it up front here, and I can really appreciate what, how they did that, how they constructed that. I thought they should have had those clay pots from Hercules, the Disney film. Oh. It had the women singing on it. I love that. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Michael Bolton singing too. Oh, that would have been so epic. Incredible. Uh, one thing I wasn't particularly uh, fond of, and I hope, you know, this is just uh, Queen Hippolyta telling some more lies to Diana, but was the fact that all the other gods were killed. Because I'm a big fan of the Brian Azarello run, and it involves all the Greek gods, like the god of 
wine, the god of Apollo. Apollo. Um, yeah. You had Hades. You had yeah. all the Greek gods, and it was just such a cool run. Because we did see um, Poseidon. You do see yeah, him. Yeah, and you right? see him holding a trident. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. The Aquaman trident. You can see the you can see the trident. Oh, right? really? Yeah. In that little story there. Oh, the so he is yeah. there. Does he get killed though? Uh, I think he said he gets killed, but like maybe that's just her lying again. Yeah, she could be. Because I he, hope so. Yeah. Apollo's great in that run. In oh, so epic! Yeah, he tries to take over the th- uh, the throne of Zeus, and then you also get Firstborn. The firstborn. Oh, yes. The... Give me that guy. <laughs> so that's interesting because I saw this this whole thing with Ares killing off the gods as a plot device to eliminate all of that mm-hmm. to say that we only have Ares and one Roman. Right. Right, we don't have to worry about zoos, which would make sense. Like that's just, a way; it's an easy way to erase or, or clear the board of right. these all-powerful gods. For sure, yeah. But then going forward in Wonder Woman's universe, you kind of need some of these guys to kind of come mm-hmm. back, right? Yeah, yeah. and maybe so. they thought, you know, who knows if this movie will hit or not? So why don't we get rid of the gods? We can always bring them back later. Yeah. Yeah. So that way, it makes Ares that more special, like the final battle between exactly, uh, Diana yeah. and Ares. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of the the Themyscira, The look of it. On Loved screen. it, yeah, Loved beautiful. It. This, this was this was great. Really like what they did there. Um, could have spent a little bit more time there, actually, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. this mm-hmm. is the complaint that we had with Thor with Asgard is yeah. that we wanted to spend more time with them, Skira. Yeah, and I think not only the landscape and the CGI here is absolutely gorgeous. The color yeah. palette is great, but yes. also the characters that we do meet here early on. The mm-hmm. Queen Hapolta, she was okay. She's like, okay, I'd, but it was yeah. the general here, Robin Wright. She yeah. was awesome yeah i Excellent. want to see way more of this character yes mm-hmm. and the fact that she's the one that's training wonder woman or diana at a really young age they go through this somewhat training montage yep. through yeah. time here it, it was great like it was very engaging i felt myself wanting more of this yeah and to explore a bit more of the background of the amazons because you get we get notional ideas that diana's the only child on the island and that the amazons have been around forever right and they're created by zeus so there's a lot there that i thought we could have explored a bit more but at the same time when you look at the movie as a whole yeah. i think it worked with the amount of time we spent there yeah. And I like that we didn't bounce around. Mm-hmm. We didn't go from Themyscira to World War One, right. back to Themyscira. Right. It really learned the lessons from other DC movies about jumping around. Right. And even Thor. Oh yeah. You look definitely. about Asgard, Earth, as like it was all over the place. Yeah. They really focused in on their settings and used those to their advantage. And I think telling a nice short brisk story in Themyscira really benefited the characters there. I never felt like I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done here. Let's get to World War. Let's get to the mm-hmm. story. Right. I want to explore a bit more because they started to go into the, you know, different aspects of their training and all that. Yeah. It was really well done. Yeah, no, it, it was great. And you know, going back to the retrospective series uh, of Thor, actually, I talked about how I wish we did get a little bit more time of a young Loki, a young Thor and their mm-hmm. adventures. And here they did that with uh, young Diana. I thought that right. was great. The child actor, I mean, she's a kid. She's kind of a little hard, yeah. funny yeah. for me, but the teenage years, I really liked her her training sequences with uh, Robin right there, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just I just wanted more of that. Yeah, I really liked what they did there. Yeah, I thought the child actress she was hilarious when yeah. she's like smirking. She's like, "Who would wield it?" You yeah. know, and yeah. that stuff. You could tell. You could see like she had a little bit of feist in her. Yeah. Um, one thing Patty Jenkins said for her inspiration from this film, and one of her favorite films is the first uh, Richard Donner Superman film. Yeah. And it's kind of the same act. Like it starts off in Krypton goes to Smallville, yeah. and then Metropolis. And this thing, you know, starts off in Themyscira, then goes to London, and then goes into the front line of World War One. Yeah. And when we're on Themyscira here, we explore a bit more of Diana's origin story. 
Uh, not only do we get the Amazons and Themyscira, we get her particular origin story. And we talked about this a bit last week, and we tried to navigate through this as best as possible. We didn't have you sitting at the table. <laughs> but this idea that they kind of combined both of her origin stories, the one from 1941 honoring her original comic book origins, and then the updated origin with Zeus, I thought it was really cool because I thought they were going to completely ignore the whole clay thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That becomes almost like a bedtime tale right. that they tell Diana that she was crafted out of clay. What a great way to work that in without feeling dumb, to be honest. Like, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Like, if you look at the original origin of Wonder Woman, she's molded from clay, and then she's given, I think, the spirit of the first woman that was ever killed by a man. Yeah. Which is totally... Like, one soul was saved or yeah, something. Yeah, super weird. Like, so she's like a cave woman then or something? <laughs> like, I don't know. But I like this. And then even in Brian Azzarello's run from the New 52, I keep coming back to it because it's amazing. But uh, yeah, it was like rumored that she was made from clay. So they would always tease her and call her clay. Yeah. And so like this now they work it in. Yeah. yeah. And now... Um, and then, you know, I saw it in the theater and I was like, she can't be made from clay. Like, come on. I want Zeus to be her dad. Lo and behold, Zeus was her dad. Yeah, they needed, I think like, that was that was and one thing I will say about this movie though. It telegraphs literally everything yeah. in the first ten minutes yeah. as to yeah. what's going to happen. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. Like you, you kind of know the progression of the movie as you go through it. There are some highlights, yeah, through there. But I, and that's one thing I want to come back to later on is the fact that, like I said, it's it's all laid out for you here in the first ten minutes. Yeah. But at the same time, I still felt all of this engaging. I wasn't rolling my eyes as we went through this step by step. Mm-hmm. Reveals. I knew this. Like yeah, the twists yeah. were there. We knew we she knew. was the god killer. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. that, and the, her winking about who's gonna wield this. Like, yeah, yeah. It's pretty very, on the nose. <laughs> very on the nose. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it still kept me engaged, which I think is a testament to the direction, the the set design, the actors, and all that too. Yeah. I, like as we go through this, that we're not just being like, okay, we know what's gonna happen, <laughs> we know what's gonna happen. Boom, origin story. Like these are tropes that mm-hmm. are, are just through every origin movie. I don't think you can really escape them, no. but it's just how you work through them and keep the audience engaged that is important. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I, uh, going with Sanjay there. I appreciate the fact that they did go with the Zeus route as the father because it adds a little bit more weight now. Going back to BBS when she sees that sword and they talk about Zeus and yeah. you mm-hmm. know they, the camera goes on Wonder Woman. It adds a little bit more weight now going to those scenes. So that's pretty cool. Do yeah. you feel like after seeing this movie, I think I already know the answer, but do you now go back and enjoy Batman v Superman more? Like one of the things we were saying is that Guardians Volume Two retroactively makes Guardians Volume One better. It's a Winter Soldier effect. Yeah. Do you feel like now when you watch BVS and you see Wonder Woman, you see the photo, you see, you know, the heft that it carries, you see when Superman's dead, you see that look that Wonder Woman gives Lois Lane, that look of sorrow that she too knows the pain of losing a loved one. Do you now go back and you see that because Wonder Woman did such a great job every time she's on screen now, do you go, oh yeah, like, does that raise your level of likability for BVS? You know, man, like, <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> I had Surprise. a feeling, yeah. But it, it's because Wonder Woman wasn't the problem with that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're going back and revisiting the origin story of Batman or Superman and appreciating more what happened in that movie. Like, they didn't re-explore the Martha thing and all yeah. this, right? Wonder Woman wasn't the problem. Yeah. So, yes, this maybe makes her character better in Batman vs. Superman because we have an idea of her origin now, just because maybe I like the character more. But it doesn't make that particular movie better. Whereas when you look at Guardians and Winter Soldier, retroactively looking at that, it makes the whole character and his universe better mm-hmm. as, as a solo individual as opposed to 
what was crafted in Batman vs yeah. Superman as kind of this big huge universe, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, coming out of BVS, uh, Wonder Woman was a huge hit for me, so I really liked what they already established with her. Um, the only thing that this movie does for me is kind of leaves me a little confused with her power level because she's strong as hell yeah. in this movie, whereas she should have been able to wipe out Doomsday well, on know. her like, own. Doomsday, you know, every time you hit him, he gets more powerful. <laughs> yeah, right? he absorbs she, energy. She she had some crazy powers going on in this movie, which I'm yeah. not complaining against. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't feel like she needed Batman. That movie should have just been called Wonder Woman uh, <laughs> 0.5 or something because she didn't need Batman and she didn't need Superman. She's, well, she holds it down. There's still a lot of stuff missing that I hope they go back in the sequel and fill in the gaps. Like Wonder Woman said, I stepped away from mankind yes, 100 years ago. For. So we, we're going to come back to this point yeah. because as I looked at this movie as a whole and stepping back and writing stuff for, for this review and that, that's one of the points that they really didn't get to. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was going this way with the story, but then they veered off right. and kind of went more with this hope and positivity yes. towards mm-hmm. the end, where I thought they're going a lot darker towards the end of this film. Yeah. Right. But we will come back to that point, I promise, because that's something I really want to talk about. Cool. cool. Um, but dropping forward with the story here. So we've established Diana as this warrior princess. Uh, she's been training under her aunt for quite some time now. And this is when we start to get the introduction of the real world into the Themyscira. It's hidden away from man to protect one woman diana from aries mm-hmm. and we have steve trevor played by chris pine stumbling into themiscira through this whatever this veil of fog what did you guys think here of this connection to the real world we immediately go from themiscira almost into world war one with a transition from steve trevor her finding him seeing a man for the first time into the germans showing up and shooting like this is it's a pretty abrupt change from Themyscira into this sequence. But again, I think it's handled properly. What are you guys' thoughts on this? How we go from learning bows and arrows, training, <laughs> into firing and World War One? I. I loved it. I think they did a great job of crossing those two worlds over. Um, that was fantastic. And right off the bat, you know, Chris Pine comes in here. I don't want to say he steals the show because this is still Gal Gadot's movie. But mm-hmm. wow, this guy works great. The chemistry between him and Gal Gadot is spot on, on right? Point. It's it's awesome. Amazing. I love it. I just wanted more. And, you know, going into spoilers, it's unfortunate that we're not going to get any more yeah. because yeah. those two worked so well together. So, yeah, right off the bat, I loved what they did here with those two uh, dimensions. Yeah, I loved it, too. And it was neat seeing the dichotomy. Um, you see, like, the German warships and them chasing Chris Pine. And then you see... Themyscira, just how beautiful it is and you know like the blue sky and the blue water if the cinematography in that film oh. amazing on point it was really really well done i think that when i was looking at this from a trailer perspective i was worried that the, there's going to be this jarring transition from Themyscira into world war one into london or whatever right mm-hmm. and because there's this dramatic change in color as well they really toned down the, the bright lights the, the the cgi and that as we go into this kind of dark dreary world war one setting yeah. and i think that transition between the two was executed perfectly it didn't feel like it was out of place it was organic how yeah. they kind of found it coming from the fog mm-hmm. i really really liked that yeah. and i agree chris pine steve trevor stand out for me yeah and it's an interesting standout because the movie is his story. Yeah. yeah. When, you, when you boil it down to that. Yeah. And Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, is kind of along for the ride. Mm-hmm. But at no point did I ever feel like it was his movie. Right. And I was trying to put my finger on why that was. Like, you look at the whole narrative is driven by him. It surrounds him. And she is kind of there to help him out. She does veer off from time to time while she's exploring different things. Yeah. And putting together her own past. But the whole movie is based around his mission to get 
whatever it is, the gas or the armistice or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about him pursuing his spy mission in World War One. Yeah. And I, I really thought that was interesting that it continued to be her movie, even though it was his story. Yeah. And I didn't really expect that. Like when you look back at other movies, they're so focused in on the discovery of power and the relinquishment of a past or the something like that, right? Yeah, the yeah. hero's journey, exactly. Losing yeah. powers, regaining them, understanding who you are and what you can do and how you can help the world. Yeah. yeah, you do get a lot of that in here, but it's not focused in on her. But like I said, I never felt like it wasn't Wonder Woman's movie, right. which mm -hmm. again is a testament to the writing. I think it was yeah. executed really well. Mm -hmm. And Chris Pine, he fades into the background and he comes out when he needs to. And him as the, the comedic relief worked really well, was organic, something that we didn't feel was executed very well in other DC films yeah. was the humor. Mm -hmm. It just never fit. It never felt like yeah. it was coming from the right person. This came from the right person. And there was a lot of dick jokes. Yeah. And <laughs> like, but they were funny. They yeah. were. They fit. Yeah. Uh, and, and she played this fish out of water great with him, not understanding a man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it was interesting or time or anything like that, right? Right. A little yeah. Jackson-ish almost. Yeah. Just, just oh, a little. Yeah, just I, a little, I see right? that, yeah. yeah. The one thing I will say about this humor is, you know, I really like serious films, like you can tell, because I love BVS and Man of Steel. Um, but I really enjoyed the humor because I feel like they had the humor in the spots and they had the seriousness in other spots and they didn't kind of co-mingle. Like sometimes when you see a film, like um, not to throw any film under the bus, but do you have a scene where it's like something epic or something like really like um, with real gravitas happens and then there's immediately a joke and it feels like the air in a balloon is getting let out. Yeah. And it kind of takes away from that scene. Right. Whereas this one, you had your humor and then you had the seriousness of World War One, And they weren't cracking jokes at that time. No. They were cracking jokes at the appropriate time. And I think that was the appropriate way to handle humor in movies. Yeah. And I think DC should really um, do that going forward where it's not just, you know, joke, 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 or serious, 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 serious. You can have humor, you can have jokes, and you can have seriousness and great action. And this is just the perfect blend in this movie for me. Yeah, they, they, they really beef up the slower dialogue heavy moments with the comedy. Mm -hmm. Like when you get Eddie Candy in here, the stuff with Chris Pine when he's in the pool and all that. Yeah. They, they yeah. really beef up that dialogue by making it funny. That's how you keep people engaged, I felt, at least in this movie, mm -hmm. was even when we we're at the slow points after the battle in the village, you get the Warriors 3 in there, yeah. and they're, they're a lot of the comic relief, yeah. but it's at the slower moments, right? It's at the moments when you need it. It's not used as a tension-breaking device like it is in other movies. And mm -hmm. I think that works in Marvel. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big thing with Joss Whedon. He right. continues to break tension with comedy. And I think it works. Quippy Iron Man, that works. Yeah. Quippy Wonder Woman, not really. Not necessarily, no. No. You know? no. So it works for me. I think that out of any movie we've seen in the DC Universe, this has kind of this, this whole spectrum of comedy, darkness, and it's appropriate times. The action's great. It feels kind of the void of everything without feeling like it's stepping out of place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So enough of all this other talk. Let's get to my favorite scene of the movie. The battle between the Amazons and the invading German army. How epic was that to see this tribe of kick-ass Amazon women defeating this German invading army. And they had bows and arrows versus muskets and guns and whatever else weapons they had in World War One. That was by far my favorite scene in the whole movie just so epic and it took place in day yes the first That's like dc point. fight that ever took place in day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly you weren't hiding things there yeah yeah, yeah i think it was great like I, I really enjoyed it it was probably i'd say the best use of slow motion in this movie that's 
with the action scenes, I think there's a lot of great scenes here, but I wasn't a huge fan of how they slowed everything down. But here it was a good mixture of fast paced hand-to-hand combat with the slow-mo effect, with her kind of coming off and getting hit by the bullet. And so yeah, I liked how they integrate all that and it was a cool juxtaposition seeing these Amazonian women fighting this dirty, gritty German army. Like it was just something that you're not really used to seeing. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite get why they just started shooting. <laughs> just kind of showed up and started shooting at yeah. them. Well, I think they were shooting at uh, Chris Pine or Steve okay. Trevor because, oh. like, they, they were chasing him, like the spy guy. Okay, the spy. Right. I think that I think that's what it was. I can't. I had to see it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not with you uh, with you guys on this one. I didn't. Okay. I didn't like this scene. Really? This, yeah. You know, the slowdown uh, kind of killed me, and it kind of brought my hopes down because I was really expecting like some cool stuff going in here. I, I want to get away a little bit from the um, Zack Snyder. Because we've just gotten too much of that, and I felt like this was just all Zack Snyder directing here. I do like the tone it set with the first um, Amazon being shot, mm-hmm. and then that just kind of snapped everything, and then you know everything just got uh, turned up. But that was cool. But th- just too much slowdown. I felt like I've seen the same moves over and over again, and it kind of took away from some of the action. But going forward, I do have a favorite action scene, but that'll be that'll be later oh, okay. on in the movie though. So because like I really loved, I think it was. Antwerpy when she like jumps on the shield turns around and there's three arrows that, that she's slinging yes. like all those action scenes like how often do we get to see those scenes from women kicking ass in films like yeah not, I guess Sucker Punch I haven't Sucker seen Punch. that okay yet. there's a lot of that in Sucker Punch but pretty much every Zack Snyder film it's a lot of that that slowdown stuff going on yeah. there yeah but, it was um, overused a little bit yeah like mm-hmm. I think in this first scene I liked it because it did feel a little different because it was in the day. We have different yes. armies fighting, and mm-hmm. it's a different style of fighting compared yeah. to what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And but as we went through this, it, we had this established fighting methodology mm. or fighting camera work. It, it just started to wear on me. I yeah. wanted more of the quick hand-to-hand combat type things yes. with a quick camera work as opposed to slowing everything down. Like I felt that <laughs> it was just too much. Too much. Mm-hmm. I feel like that should be a device to show something epic but not to continue to show the fight again and again like Mm -hmm. this. That would be my only kind of takeaway from this action sequence is that there's a little bit too much of that. Seeing some of the action sequences, and we'll get to them later, you could kind of tell that this film had a lower budget than some of the other DC films. Like uh, some of the CGI wasn't like as great as Batman v Superman CGI or Or Man of Steel. Steel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, or even like Civil War or something like that. You could definitely tell this film you know, it's a hundred million dollars less that they spent on this film. And at some points you could feel it. Yeah. yeah. But that's why you don't do those slow-mo scenes and you do the quick action cut with the quick camera work. You can hide right. a lot in there, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to do these quick moves and all that. You can have the stunt woman doing these really epic looking things. Yeah. And if you're cutting quick, you can avoid having CGI and all that. So that, that t- takes away from it because it was a lower budget and they didn't have the money save the money for the big sequences with wonder woman and yeah maybe you needed something here to kick off the whole movie and i think a couple of those scenes like you said with the general her that was awesome that's what i love that and they yeah. needed stuff like that for this, sure but mm-hmm. tone it back a bit and save your budget for your big sequences because they suffer later on because they don't have the cgi budget that they did for man of steel mm-hmm. that they did for batman versus superman which is kind of disappointing i mean they should have had showed more faith in this film by yeah. giving it a larger budget i mean because they gave it a lower budget it had such a low bar to jump over that it's already made back its budget yeah. opening weekend and over 100 million if you throw in domestic or domestic and international it's already made over 100 million more than its budget 
But still, I mean, I would have liked to see this movie with an extra hundred million thrown at it. But maybe, who knows? Maybe that extra hundred million, it would have lost some of the charm or the heart that this film has. That's true. That's true. It could have gotten into this big CGI mess. Yeah, it really could have. One thing I wanted to talk about here before we move off of Themyscira into the real world is the lasso of truth. So this is something that last week I said they weren't going to use. <laughs> I said it's going to be used more of a weapon and less of its true comic book origin, what mm-hmm. it's used for there to make people tell the truth. But they went full on with this. How did you, Sanjay, in particular, take this? Like, Were you happy to see them embrace the comic book origin of this weapon? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the lasso of truth is just so iconically Wonder Woman. It would be like doing a Superman film without him flying. You know, like, the Lasso of Truth has been around forever. In fact, uh, the creator of Wonder Woman, William Marston, uh, he invented the lie detector. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. <laughs> so, um, absolutely. I, I They needed to have it. It's just so Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was cool. Um, I really like the look of how the, uh, the Lasso of Truth comes out. Um, I was having a hard time understanding how it worked. Like, I know how it works in the comics, but I was having a hard time understanding how it worked mm-hmm. the first time they introduced it with Chris uh, Pine there. I was like, is he is he joking? Is he fighting it? Is it burning him? Like, how is it getting the truth out of him? So that was kind of weird for me. Um, other than that, though, I loved seeing this thing in action. That, yeah. to me, was its strength in action. The Lasso of Truth was awesome. Definitely. It yeah. looked good, too. Yeah, it, it looked, looked really real good. good. And yeah. I I'm, was kind of on the fence whether or not they needed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We kind of discussed it last week that right. they could have used a bit more force and intimidation yeah. to get the truth out of people as opposed to just wrapping this yeah. cord. But at the same time, it fits with these fantastical elements that they set up in Themyscira. They didn't go down the road to, these are normal people that are just enhanced strength. These were mm-hmm. actual people born of gods mm-hmm. yeah. and made by Zeus. So having these elements like the sword and the shield, the lasso, everything kind of made sense there. And once I relinquished the fact that this wasn't going to be the grounded movie that they tried to make with Man of Steel right. mm-hmm. and that they were embracing the comic book origins and the fantastical elements of Wonder Woman's history, I kind of got on board with it towards the end. But I agree, more of a weapon, mm-hmm. that's when it had the true power on screen that's sure. when it made Absolutely. the most sense to me. yeah i like how it ex- uh changes size as well like yeah. you could like reach out and grab someone or in batman v superman when they're holding or when she's holding doomsday i like that it's just like the comic books it changes size so it gives that like mythical mythics to it <laughs> <laughs> so it's at this point that the amazons find out about world war one the war to end all wars and they're convinced that Ares is behind this he is the one that has seeded this war and caused man to corrupt and this all kind of evolves very quickly into her essentially stealing her one woman costume all of her weaponry and all right. this and heading towards man's world with also the blessing of queen apalta she knows that she has to go and confront Ares. this was a really quick here's my costume they kind of reveal it later mm-hmm. but it happened really fast there was no like you know with i know we can continue to come back to marvel movies but there's yeah. no like i'm gonna put this half of a one woman costume together out of real life things and then eventually i get to this in the subsequent movies this was like Boom, we're going to show you her costume, Mm -hmm. her sword, her shield, everything is kind of as it stands in Batman vs. Superman. Right. Were you guys on board with how quickly all that happened? Or do you think it needed more time to to earn the costume and to earn the right to be Wonder Woman, to Mm -hmm. be the character that we know from the comic books? Um, I'm glad they uh, kind of rushed it. I just don't like how they did it. 
you know, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I'm, I'm glad they didn't spend a whole bunch of time, you know, going back to like the first Captain America movie ever. You know, it took him forever to get that costume. And when he right. did, is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, like the very first one, not the MCU uh, Captain America. But um, you know what I really like is the costume, how it looks compared to BVS. Like it has the shimmer, it has the color. Mm-hmm. The color palette on here looks awesome. It looks like Wonder Woman as opposed to when you get to BVS, it looks like it's like rusted or it's just, it's it's it's, it's, it's older, I, I suppose. But yeah. um, I like the time they spent on it. I just wish we got a better explanation of how she got this costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked how she had the tiara from uh, General Antwerp. Yeah. I thought that was a nice touch. And cool. you're like, oh, yeah, she, she wasn't wearing the tiara, so I got that. The one thing uh, I wish they would have done, but given time constraints, I understand why they didn't, was the contest. I mean, yes. that's that's that that's the Wonder yeah. Woman origin that I, you know, I didn't grow up reading, but I've read, and that's kind of my um, origin that I go with, that she wins the contest. She's the greatest Amazon. That's why she gets to accompany Steve Trevor back to man's land. But I guess it wouldn't have made sense to have that, A, because that's probably like a half-hour scene. Yeah. And B, um, they know she would win because she's part God and the other Amazons aren't. But they explore that a little bit when she fights the general. I'm saying Mm -hmm. the general because I don't want to say her name over and over. (laughs) But when they fight her and she does defeat her, she is the greatest Amazonian warrior. I didn't even pick that up. And she has that battle and actually beats her. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I was like, okay, that's what Sanjay was talking about. That's the contest to prove she is the worthy one to go to war mm-hmm. or to go to man's world to go yeah. to war. And there's this whole thing with her mom being very reluctant on sending her, which again comes back to the origins about her mom not wanting to compete in this competition. Exactly. So there's a lot of that origin built into this. It's just told a little differently. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to story economics, like you're saying. It's yeah. like, let's not have this huge drawn out competition where she fights the huge Amazon and the really agile one and then eventually fights the, you know what I mean? Yeah, like we've they seen do that this in the, Yeah, exactly. They do this in the training sequence and I think it's an effective way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And it still gets you to that point where, okay, this makes sense why she's going. Yeah. And everyone knows she's the God killer, right? And so there's that reluctance to let her go, but at the same time, they're like, well, she should probably go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get that. And then when we finally move into, I guess, the second act of this movie, we transition from the bright and beautiful Themyscira to the dull and dreary war-torn London. And one thing I want to say here, the the set design on this is fantastic. I'm Mm -hmm. a huge fan of period pieces, especially when they're done right aesthetically. And this looks great. They tone way back the color palette, like I said, the, the vehicles, the background, just London, how I picture it would look towards the end of World War One, this is perfect. Like I love what they're doing here. And to stick one woman into this timeline to, you know, make her really this fish out of water, this this is really, really well done here. I agree. I mean, they used the same costume designers from Fantastic Beasts and those guys okay. won an Oscar. So, you know, this one here was amazing seeing the different costumes and seeing as you said the set design and the dichotomy between man's world and woman's paradise it's this massive juxtaposition Mm -hmm. and it really worked right it really showed you that the beautiful themiscira and london during world war one it's pretty jarring it was yeah but but again it like there's that there's that jarring feeling when it comes down to editing and improper transition and then there's jarring when you're like whoa this this was done on purpose oh absolutely i think it really nailed it like it was organic feeling i agree yeah what did you guys think of the scene when they're on the boat and there's some kind of jokes going back and forth and then Wonder Woman's like, uh, you want to sleep with me? And then he's like, no, not until we're married. And then they talk about the uh, 12 volumes of lovemaking yeah. from, I think, Cleopatra. 
What do you guys think of that scene? I, I thought it was hilarious, and it was a nice uh, scene to transition in between Themyscira and London. Yeah, again, it comes down to these slow moments, the dialogue-heavy moments. They're filling them with comedy. Yeah. And I liked it. Like Some of it feels a bit forced, and I think that the chemistry, they're still working on it at this point. I don't know when this was filmed in the, in the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. or at least in the sequence of production. But some of that... It, 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 maybe it's how it's supposed to feel really yeah. super awkward and yeah. you got Gal like you said she feels like Drax yeah. kind of like she doesn't really know what she's talking about <laughs> yeah. but yeah I, I enjoyed it I, like yeah. you said the chemistry works for me yeah yeah, I, I loved it and like you said I don't know if it's meant to feel awkward or not but it, it would whether they were going yeah, for that or not yeah. so it totally worked for me and, and that was kind of one of the um, the key points for me for starting that chemistry that and you know when he's in like the um, like the hot tub yeah you mm-hmm. know um, those two scenes there work really, pretty pretty well for me at the, for the most part so yeah I enjoyed it and I thought that was funny I really did think that's yeah, funny with the, with the books yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so when we arrive in London here the, the key driving point behind the narrative here is this armistice and the end of the war and it's really Steve Trevor I, oh man Steve throw me off Steve Rogers <laughs> Steve Trevor Rogers <laughs> And it's really Steve here who he got a bit of his backstory about how he stole Dr. Poison's notebook and how he believes they're developing something worse than mustard gas. And he's taking this to this Sir Patrick Morgan, who is one of the, the London's, this aristocrat type of mm-hmm. general who Gal eventually calls out about our generals don't sit in in offices. They're out in the battlefield with their soldiers. So it's interesting how they're, they're calling each other out there a bit. Yeah. But the whole rest of the movie is driven by Steve Trevor's reluctance to accept the armistice and this Sir Patrick Morgan wanting to sign a peace treaty with the Germans. And while we're here, we kind of get an introduction through Steve Trevor's backstory telling of this general, this German general, and also Dr. Poison. Mm-hmm. And these are two interesting characters. I really, really enjoyed Dr. Poison. She I felt great. that she was a great secondary villain and really fit this whole theme of how man is corrupt and how man is inherently violent. Mm-hmm. And the reveal at the end with her face and all like I think this is a really good villain here, and I like that they didn't kill her off at the end. I want to see more of her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't like her. Really? I didn't like really? yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't like her. I, I felt she was kind of bland. I like the idea of what they tried doing with her. I think it's just the actress behind her. I didn't really care much for her. I didn't care either for uh, the general. Oh, Ludendorff. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of his. I knew from the beginning he wasn't going to be Aries. Mm-hmm. I didn't like what you mentioned before with him sniffing whatever kind of poison that was. Like the the. Like the powder, powder the, the powder. It was, it was horrible, and the, the effects they used on his face reminded me of uh, Smallville, uh, the oh, TV show yeah. that introduced Bizarro, and yeah. the effects were horrible. And same thing happened here. So uh, for these two, they didn't really work that well for me in this film, and I didn't feel that she was the threat to go toe to toe with Wonder Woman, which she, she really didn't. Anyways, so uh, I could have done without them. I could have done with some some other characters or some other villains instead. So. Um, Kind of wish they did kill her off. <laughs> uh, see, I like Dr. Poison. I thought, you know, she's very menacing. Uh, the fact that she can make poisons that can kill man and are very destructive. I yeah. mean, she may not be a threat to Wonder Woman, but she's a threat to everyone else around Wonder Woman. Yeah. I just felt she's just so evil. I want to know a little bit more about her, like her background and why is she, is she doing the things that she's doing. So, Dr. I, I kind of one bad. note for me. <laughs> yeah. I felt that a lot of it came down to 
like her face and all that. This yeah. was like seeking vengeance to a degree. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, and it's kind of this like, yeah, crazy scientist trying to progress something. Yeah. At the same time, she had this driving force behind it. And I don't think she was ever meant to be a villain for Wonder Woman. I never right. saw her in that sense. I saw her driving forward what I would consider the sub-narrative with Steve Trevor and the right. idea of man being corrupt and violent and all that. Yeah. Like I think that drove that home a lot more. Yeah. Whereas that she's developing these poisons, these worse and worse poisons to inflict damage on civilians eventually right. too. Right. Right. And so it's all about kind of winding up that portion of the plot. And I think she really works for that. Right. But on the flip side with the general, I agree with you. He was very one note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it. Like he seemed to be there just to try to throw the audience off a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really served no other purpose. They never went to any depth as to why he was inhaling these steroids. And right. Like I, I really never got the point of that other than for him to be, yeah, that's Aries, that's Aries. Oh, no. Yeah. And we, yeah. we all knew it wasn't Aries. Right? Again, yeah. another telegraphed twist that never really need to be there. Like, yeah. I, I get that that was too on the nose that he yeah. was Aries, but at the same time, I, I might have preferred that he was. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is Doctor Poison in the comics at yeah, all? She's in the original comics. I don't know if she's been brought back. I think in the new Fifty Two run. Back, I bet. Oh, yeah. oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and she looks identical. She has like the green kind of scrubs on with like the uh, face prosthetic as well. Yeah. So they kind of ripped that right out of the comics, which was cool to see. Right. Um, she had a little bit of a, a, a Viper uh, Wolverine, the Wolverine movie. To me, at least, she had a little bit of that yeah, Viper feel. That. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. 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 Like, one thing in this movie feels very Silver Age. It feels like a big Silver Age comic book. Like, it doesn't feel like... If this story was in today's comics, I think, like, it, it just doesn't feel like a modern comic book. It feels very... You know, like Christopher Reeves. Yeah, Christopher yeah. Reeves. And I think it's like a very timeless film that will age very well. And I think the villains are very uh, silver aged as well. You wouldn't see these villains in today. Like, you know, you'd see like the General Zod, Michael Shannon versus General Zod, uh, Terrence Stamp. Right, like the two dichotomies of the two same, or Lex Luthor, maybe not Lex Luthor, but uh, you know what I mean. Like, there's different villains, and these guys definitely filled like Silver Age with the maniacal laughter when they like throw the gas in with the yeah. other German generals. And I thought, you know, like it fit this movie. If they were like more like a modern villain, so I'm trying to think of someone who's been like a great modern villain. Even like Loki. Like yeah, something like Loki. I don't think it really would have fit, but you know, you throw in the Silver Age villains with. Dr. Poison and uh, General Lundorf, or Lundendorf, I think. Uh, you know, it, it fits the movie. It fits the um, narrative. And, you know, this is a very much a Wonder Woman movie. This isn't like, you know, you look at The Dark Knight. Yeah, it's a Batman film, but it's pretty much like a Joker film as well, 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of DC movies focus a lot of time on the villains. A lot of Marvel movies focus on the hero. And this felt like a Marvel movie in that sense, in that 100%. this was Wonder Woman's story. The villains take a backseat and we spend more time with Wonder Woman as opposed to what we normally get with, you know, as I said, The Dark Knight, where the Joker, you know, he steals the show. And this and the movie is pretty much like a Joker and Batman 50-50 movie. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you point that out about this being more like a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with you at the caution that <laughs> I'm probably taking some shit for this, but it does feel more like a Marvel film than a DC film mm-hmm. in the sense that, yes, the villains take a backseat. They worked in organic comedy. The story feels very heavily focused on the main character, on the hero. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there's some cues that they're taking there. And with that, it falls to the same 
perils that the Marvel movies do with these underdeveloped villains that mm-hmm. sometimes don't make sense, right. that are evil for the sake of being evil, and are there sometimes just to serve as a punching bag. Mm-hmm. And that's what this general more or less is. Yes. It's just a Wonder Woman punching bag. Just someone that Wonder Woman could punch where his face doesn't get caved in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can be, yeah, it's exactly it. It's this faceless army type thing, yeah. right? Yeah. She can beat him up without having kind of the visualization of her actually beating up another human. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is that. Yeah. So it's, it's a plot device villain type mm-hmm. thing. But the other villain that eventually turns out to be Ares is this Sir Patrick Morgan. This was something, I don't know, like, I've talked about a lot about how everything was kind of telegraphed throughout this movie. I didn't see this at all. No, neither did I. Like, it, to the point where it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I kind of forgot about Ares. Yeah. Almost at this point. Like, I was like, wait, guess he's not going to appear? He's not yeah. going to show up? Yeah, I, I didn't right. think he was. Yeah. I thought yeah, maybe, I. I would have liked to them not have Ares, and then maybe, like, just show at the end, like, man was, like, still, like, corrupt, and then have Ares in the background, yes. like, this... plotting World War II. Yes, exactly. Right? This exactly. is probably Probably the most aligned we've ever been <laughs> at the end of the film. We'll talk about that again. This yeah. is something I want to come back to because that's exactly how I felt. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it played so heavily and Dr. Poison works into this very well. You could have used the general as a punching bag to go would up against Wonder Woman. Wouldn't that have been enough though? The general and Wonder Woman going at it? Would, would we have gotten yeah, a good fight That, that is that the problem. Wouldn't have been, right? yeah. And the other problem with that, I guess we'll get into it now. <laughs> the other problem with that is in the absence of Ares, you don't get the importance of Wonder Woman. She doesn't realize that she is in fact the god slayer. Yes, that's true. You need to have Ares in this film for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Without him, she doesn't click on who she is. Doesn't use that potential. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you need Ares in this film. I thought down the same path. I was yeah. like, yeah. this would have been great because they've seeded this so well right. that man is inherently corrupt and violent yeah. and yes. doing terrible things to each other. And that would have sent her away. That would have kind exactly. of brought us to the conclusion yeah. of that's, yeah, yeah, that's where I thought it was going the right. whole movie mm-hmm. is that... Yes, she did see this act of Steve Trevor sacrificing himself, and that yeah. gives her that glimmer of hope. But you look at what comes after World War II, Korea, Vietnam. Like, yes. There's all yeah. these terrible things without Ares present. Exactly. How do you explain how man goes down those those evil paths with out Ares around. Right. I don't think he's dead. I think, you know, I think he was just like wounded and he ran away again. I, I don't think he's dead. Ares, like in the comics, he's a god. So it takes a lot to kill a god. And I think Ares is just hiding and he'll reappear maybe down the road. But if Wonder Woman truly did kill Ares in the comic books when she does, then she becomes the god of war. Yes. Yeah. Which and she's, awesome. yeah. And that was a great twist and a great uh, act from the great Brian Azzarello. Right. But uh, this, she's not the god of war. No. So maybe, you know, A, killing a god doesn't make you that god, or B, Ares is still alive. Yeah. And he very well could be alive, and I think I'd like to see him developed a little more. Maybe not with the mustache and all that and the jacked up <laughs> CGI body. But again, coming back to the idea that this is the man, the Sir Patrick Moore, that turned out to be Ares. Yeah. It's, he's the guy that's pushing for peace. He's the guy that wants his armistice signed. But he's also the one that funds Steve Trevor and his band of, of merry misfits to go and put an end to this, the general developing this mustard gas. So again, it's it's a little bit, you need the character there for the end, but at the same time, they threw this in, I think at least, just to try to throw the audience off. Yes. Like they pointed you in one direction the whole movie. We all knew it wasn't going to be him. And I thought it was just going to be Ares. I didn't know it was mm-hmm. going to be someone else that was kind of in the background pulling strings. Right. right. It just didn't really work. And his appearance at the end wasn't organic. Like, why the hell was he there? It made yeah. no sense. Yeah. And it kind of ruined the shock factor. You're kind of like, this really pulls me out because they reveal it's this guy. And you think back, like, okay, like, why? Like, right. It just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And 
that's the hard part about this plot is that it kind of it, it, it's I think it's well written and it makes sense but there's certain parts that they tried to make the audiences feel a certain way give you that it factor right? yeah and it just yeah. didn't land but yeah. I think overall you need that character yes yeah absolutely um, like to me, it made sense that he was funding them and he was basing the operation in his office so that he could keep track. Like his whole plan was to get Wonder Woman to see the horrors of man, yes. see that they developed this gas that was worse than mustard gas that would kill hundreds of people. So it was all part of his plan that, you know, he purposely gave him the money so that way otherwise Wonder Woman wouldn't have gone to the front lines of World War One and seen the horrors. He was thinking she would see all these horrors. And he would be like, look, I didn't do this. You know, I just, you know, whispered, I pushed him, but I'm not in the hearts of every man. It's they're inherently this way. Join me and we will build a better world. Yeah. yeah. And, just poorly executed kind of then. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess like they could have done a little bit more to make it more, um, under, not understandable. Like, but like Obvious. Or, yeah. Like it just wasn't, yeah, uh, well developed. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it didn't flow the way I think the rest of the movie flowed. Like this was the one point I think where they stumbled a lot. Yeah. Is they kind of fell on top of, of this story that they're trying to build because they were trying to make this a big secret or something. Right. Mm -hmm. When I first saw this, I was like, you take that character right out. You don't need this. You yeah. can end on this down note and all this. Yeah. But then again, thinking about it, you need to have that development later on in the movie. Otherwise, right. it just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. And I think people would have been left wanting, as Troy, as you said, you know, the big battle between Lundorf and Wonder Woman mm -hmm. wouldn't have been that big. You know, in comic book movies, you always need that big final yeah. battle. Yes. And, you know, and we said it could have ended on a down note. But look how many critics hated the fact when Superman killed General Zod. People, you know, he couldn't have, you know, he couldn't have killed him. Maybe he could have, like, just subdued him and put him in prison. But so many critics pointed to that point in the movie as, you know, giving it a negative review. Well, that's huge, right? Yeah, I mean, I bet you if he didn't kill Zod, the movie would have been at least 60% or 70% of Rotten Tomatoes. Well, sorry, not to interrupt, no. but that's, that's what's so unfortunate about that movie because there's so much importance to what he did there. Mm -hmm. Killing Zod was such a hard decision for him, but it's like, look, I'm here to save these humans, and if I have to kill one of my own, I'm going to have to do it. You know, And it's his first day as Superman, and there's, mm -hmm. there's so much importance there, and I just wish uh, people would kind of ease up on the criticism. Totally get that. that. Like, and yeah, I've been hard on this universe, but yeah. that's one movie that I'm not, and I support that decision to For kill sure. Zod. Because yeah. that changes who Superman is Absolutely. in subsequent movies. Yes. He does not want to go down this path exactly. ever again. Mm -hmm. And so it changes. Right. And so you need these specific points, these pivotal moments, and that was one for Superman, and this is one for Diana, right? right. Mm -hmm. And you need those moments to make the character. Yes. And I think that the criticism that Man of Steel gets... Look at me defending DC. <laughs> I, I love this. I love this. I'm glad it's on audio so I can replay it on loop <laughs> when Justice League comes out. Yeah. I think that's unwarranted. I yeah. think you need that for the plot and for going forward in that universe. Yeah, I agree. Anyways, let's <laughs> let's let's swing back over here to Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor's mission. This is kind of what picks up as we go out of London. This is what drives forward the whole story, and it's their mission to take this gas and get it out of the hands of the Germans before they use this on a civilian population. And this is when we get introduced to. I'm going to say it again. The Warriors 3 or the Howling Commandos. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We get introduced here to the spy Samir, who was Sala from Indiana Jones. Like, great character. Like, I, I really love this character. You get Charlie, the Scottish PTSD sharpshooter. Yeah. And you get Chief. Yeah. 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 Which, Jeez. explain this to me. Are any of the three of these characters in Wonder Woman comic books? I haven't read them. No. Um, maybe they are. Why, okay, why was there a Native American in London during World War One? He wanted to make money. 
made, this made no sense. No, that, that's out of left field, right? I was like, like I like the character. He yeah. was yeah. fine. He's, he's actually served. my favorite out of the yeah. three of them. Yeah, to be yeah. Honest. Well, yeah. And one thing yeah. they all serve purposes. They yeah. weren't mm-hmm. just there to be like Warriors Three, who are like slapstick buddy buddy right. comedy yeah. type thing. Yeah. These guys each individually did something, which I really appreciate, and they yeah. all brought something else to the table. Mm-hmm. And I agree, I like Chief. It just yeah. didn't make sense. <laughs> <in those times>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was there. But they're they're great to have in there. They add again another layer of that that comedy it's there when it needs to be there yeah it's not there when they're doing the intense moments when they're fighting the battles when they're in the trenches mm-hmm. right it's there when it has to be when they're slowing down the pace of the movie mm-hmm. did you guys like well we got kind of right <laughs> but did you guys like the warriors three here i did yeah i really dug him i thought you know charlie was very uh relatable you know he had he was funny but he had that like darkness to him mm-hmm. where you know he's seen some shit like this is a guy that's been through war and he's seen his buddies get killed so and i like that because so many times in movies you know you see people and you know they go through the horrors of war and then they they're just themselves you know like they act like it hasn't faced them but this one you could tell that you can feel that in his portrayal that you know this guy's seen some dark stuff oh yeah 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 Yeah. and that's that's a theme that they have all through this right Mm -hmm. is the the horrors of war yes yes yeah yeah no i really like these guys and this is everything i wanted you know from the howling commandos because you know we saw them in captain america but we didn't really get them yeah and Mm -hmm. i I really didn't like the warriors three so i think they they did a great job pulling off this uh this group here Mm -hmm. which is great i I did like chief i thought charlie was kind of a goofball but i do understand the importance of him you know Mm -hmm. he had that, that, that dark side yeah that, that actor. what's he yeah. from pearl harbor he's in train spotting okay. oh okay yeah okay he's really good yeah, yeah he, is he always good. plays that kind of like he had in pearl harbor he's that stutter guy he stuttered a lot oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so he's, he's a good actor yeah and, and i really like the other character oh um, samir samir i yeah, really like great. samir yeah. and, you know he had that nice line where he's like you know he wanted to be an actor yeah you know but the color of his skin uh, mm-hmm. determined where he ended up. Yeah. I really like that they threw that in there. I thought that was great because this movie has a lot of those little nods and, and so much, um, so many inspiring moments you can see yeah. in this movie that you can take from pr- pretty much any other superhero movie. This kind of has the most going on for itself. So I really do like what they did with that uh, that group there, for sure. Yeah, and I think that that interjected a much-needed diversity into the movie. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gave another layer to to the characters here and yeah. i think we needed that at this yeah. point you know we had the you know the amazon women we had world war one like, yes we're in london we needed that injection of diversity yeah. and this really lended to that yeah and it's subtle too <laughs> yeah yeah. Do it in there. yeah again organic this yes, exactly. yeah. we hit on this every movie review yeah. that we do things need to feel organic yes. these guys didn't feel like they're shoehorned in no. oh we have to you know, make sure we're diverse enough yeah yeah but they all worked into the film proper they all made sense why they're there except yes. for maybe chief but <laughs> physically there but he yeah. worked in the movie yeah. yeah no i agree one other character that we really haven't talked about much here that, that again added another layer of the, this comedic relief was etta candy she was great by Lucy, Lucy Davis. Davis yeah. yeah, she had a lot smaller role than mm-hmm. I thought she was going to, and she yeah. plays the the kind of the secretary to Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. She again is some of the driving force behind what's going on in the background. They have this really nice moment with Wonder Woman introducing her to London and man's world. This fish out of water sequence. Again, it was really well done. It felt good. We didn't get the Darcy effect with her. Thank goodness. Yes, because yeah. that's the way that could have gone. Like every yeah. trailer had her with these one-liner quips. Yeah. yeah, they didn't go that way. They subtly put her in there. They drew down to the mm-hmm. point where she was valuable to the story, but didn't overstay her welcome, I'll yes. say. Yeah. So I really liked her in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's great. She's, you know, a buddy of the podcast. I guess yeah. she follows Sanjay over here. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Uh, great to see her. She's from uh, The Office. And you could tell she has that comedic acting chops. And she delivered her lines perfectly. And, you know, one of my favorite scenes, I mean, I say this about every scene because I loved every scene. But when they're in the shop and uh, Diana's trying on all the different outfits and just some of her lines and some of her quips, it was just, it was, it was awesome. I, I love that scene. And it just felt like... A nice breather from the action. It was yeah. a nice bridge scene. Mm-hmm. And you also learn a lot about Wonder Woman. And you learn a lot about Etta Candy and Steve Trevor in that scene. And, you know, she's, like, taking the sword out with, like, her outfit and stuff. I thought yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And when she puts the line, uh, what was the line? My audience, or the audience just killed it when she was, like, Gal Gadot's, like, why would you want to suck in your stomach? And then she's, like, well, if I had your stomach or something, or, yeah. like, a woman with your stomach wouldn't need that or something. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. the line. Yeah, wouldn't ask that or something Yeah, like yeah. It's yeah. a good one, too, about slavery. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That sounds, that's what we call slavery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, like, I look her. Yeah. <laughs> that's from the trailer. That was quite good, too. Yeah. yeah. So as we, as we get into the trenches here with Steve Trevor, the, I'm going to keep calling them Helen Commandos. I don't know what they're <laughs> uh, The Helen Commandos and wonder woman here this is where we really ramp up the intensity yes and this is our really our second shot at a big action sequence she ends up walking out of the trenches here to a (laughs) what is called no man's land on Mm -hmm. purpose several times they've made it very distinct and clear that this is no man's land yeah and we have a woman walking into (laughs) it and what did you guys think of one the cgi here and this overall action sequence as we go into the trenches and then beyond into the village eventually this this is my favorite scene here. It's unfortunate, yeah. It's it's so good, but it's unfortunate we didn't get a bit better CG because the CG is a little fan made, if I can say. It goes <laughs> it goes a little bit of that route, but man, it's epic. This to me is is great. You know, she brings up that shield, and you can you can feel everything going on there. Um, the score is is fantastic mm-hmm. here, and 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 Wonder Woman really just plants her roots here. Like this is when I really feel like we got Wonder Woman. Like she she's become the person that she's gonna be. And um, it's great. The action is unbelievable. There's a little bit of weird stuff going on with like the fast forward. Yeah. Maybe, like like I don't know what that's called. What what the what that choreography is. Yeah. When they're making things go. Yeah. Yeah. They, they speed up. They did it in Superman and it worked. They did it here. It didn't work so well for me. But still, this is this is my favorite scene in the film, and I just absolutely love what they did. The color palettes, the bullets. You know, she's using her uh, her gauntlets. Like mm-hmm. you got full scale Wonder Woman here. Yeah. Yeah. Right on the, the comics. The lasso too. The lasso yeah. and oh man, I really like what they did. <laughs> yeah, here. and that that village sequence is very reminiscent of the Batman warehouse warehouse seat right yes absolutely yeah orders boom 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 and it's mm-hmm. long yes like yeah. i'm like okay they're gonna end it here no it kept going i was like yes just give me more of this but it doesn't drag yes, yes. you're exactly. never like oh my god i've exactly. seen this i've seen this you never count the beats exactly yeah. yeah oh yeah where she has the shield and she's being pushed back in the mud and you can oh. see all the bullets flying in the aerial view oh that's fantastic and she picks up the tank too i think as well in this uh yeah was, when they get to like yeah towards yeah. the end of it yeah exactly yeah oh yeah it's such a long scene but it didn't feel long right and that's the whole thing about this movie it's two and a half hours it doesn't feel two and a half hours yeah some movies you watch you know you look at your watch yeah. and you're like oh my goodness it's only been 15 minutes yeah. Yeah. this one like you know if this movie was five hours long i would have sat all five hours and just been in love like the whole five hours it's oh. just that great of a five movie. hours pushing <laughs> it's a long time <laughs> but i had to agree with you guys fully this action sequence is great it's almost two action sequences side by side we've yeah. got the whole trench thing we've got steve trevor and the howling commandos in the background and running right. through the trenches at the same time and then we transition into the village where we get more of this close quarter fighting that i wanted yes it does take 
a little bit the slow mo too far again. The, I would have preferred more like the Batman where it's close quarters, quick right. cuts, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. You're getting all that, but you're also getting the last. So like, it's really great. The choreography is spot right. on. Mm-hmm. We really feel the impact of her hits and the use of of her different weaponry and all yeah. that. Fantastic. I say I agree. The CG is a bit shaky at times, yeah. and that's the only thing that takes away from yeah. this scene. The only thing like for the CG that took away from me was when you see her jumping. Like I love like the yeah the, the, yeah that, that was that was the thing. But like seeing her like deflect the bullets and seeing her fighting and demolishing the, the the church yeah. with like a sniper in there, I think like that oh, slow mo yeah, cool. worked really well. Yeah, some of it works great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even when she gets out of the trench and she's got the gauntlets up and she's like right. that yeah. works. You need to slow. Otherwise, it's too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. You just don't get the appreciation for what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. But it's the times when you want it to be quick that they don't give it to you. They slow down her like. And it's kind of weird sometimes. It'll, it'll be quick cuts, and then she'll slide really fast, and then it'll slow down halfway through the slide. Like that's the kind of stuff that I wasn't a huge. He's a little fan sloppy, of. right? Yeah, yeah. But again, it, it takes away a bit from it. But overall, as an action sequence, mm-hmm. I'd agree best in the movie. Yeah. Did you guys catch Zack Snyder in that scene? I saw, I saw a picture later. This was after oh, the fight. Okay. He's in the uh, the American Army, or I, I didn't see it, but he I heard he's that in. Scene then, uh, no, he's just a cameo in that scene. I think okay. he's in the, uh, the background when they're taking the photo after. Oh, right? is he? Well, that's just the photo I saw. Is this is Zack Snyder's appearance, and oh. so there's when they're taking the photo at a certain angle, you can see Zack Snyder. He's got I, he must be an English. Doesn't matter, but <laughs> he he's back there. He, mm-hmm. he, You'd never know it's him unless they told, right. told you, right? Yeah. Um, but after, after this action sequence, we the movie really slows down again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it works because we get a little bit of the celebration. It starts to feel a little bit of some of those scenes that we've seen in Saving Private Ryan. Right. When they slow this down, they mm-hmm. have the drinks are out in the kind of the square of the town. Everyone's celebrating. Yeah, taking pictures. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I like that. And, it, and it, again, it's a callback to Batman vs Superman. It's a callback to the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. This is when we get the photo taken. Yeah. And it finally explains who the other guys are in the background. It, it's really great. I like that they went really quick and then they slowed it down a bit. Mm-hmm. They do hit a bit on this love story between Steve Trevor yeah. and Wonder Woman there is some implied that they did spend the night together yeah. but at the same time it, it never felt like a love story it mm-hmm. felt like again it, it's, it's a bit quick but the chemistry is there and makes it a bit more believable and I'm glad they didn't weigh this movie down with a love story right. like you need this connection for the, the weight of the scene at the end of the movie the emotional stakes that needs to happen but at the same time, it wasn't like hit you over the head. He's or one way or the other, the Gaga. It's yeah. not a Thor and Jane type oh, relationship. God. Yeah, <laughs> they stay far away from that. Yeah. but just enough to make you feel like they they had this connection and the chemistry of the actors really makes you believe that. Yeah, it's it's almost like if Winter Soldier went a step further between the romance between yes. Steve Rogers and Black Widow. Yeah, just know? one step. Just one step. Yeah, yeah exactly. I agree. Yeah. It's a very human story. It's not a love story. It's a human story, and right. it's two. Uh, well, one God and one human connecting. That's a perfect way. A human yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I love with the snow coming down. And, you know, this Steve got to have a dance with his love. Unfortunately, yeah. Steve Rogers didn't yeah. get to have a dance yeah. with his love. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because as we move further in towards mm-hmm. the end of this movie, yeah. this feels a lot like Captain America, the first Avenger. Very and interesting enough, beats. we're going to be reviewing that yeah. this yeah. month too. So yeah. it's going to be cool to kind of juxtapose these two movies and see the similarities. Yeah. And we're maybe Wonder Woman leveraged some of the strengths of Captain America and mm-hmm. kind of worked around some of the weaker points of it. Um, but as we as we drive towards this final battle, this final showdown between Ares and Wonder Woman, we take a brief pit stop over at the gala. 
And this is where we get Wonder Woman kind of going a bit rogue here. She's tired of Steve Trevor's plan, yep. this kind of slow burn plan to not really go after Ares, but to really go after the general and this gas. And I, I kind of like this. This isn't about her following Steve Trevor. This is about her taking her own path at this point. Yeah. This is when she really veers off and goes in her own story. And it kind of separates a bit out from the Steve Trevor mission. And there, there's some interesting dialogue in here with the general and Wonder Woman that again makes you feel like he's Ares. He talks yeah. about the old gods or something at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, it's really confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're really trying to set that up. They're really trying to put that in her head, right? Yeah. They yeah. really, really are. Yeah. And it's at this point where they do eventually launch the gas into the village that they just saved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's really again pushing this point forward of this is the horrors of war. This is the evil, the, the villainy of man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This isn't Ares behind this, right? So we're continuing to build this into Diana's mind. And I like the path that they're going here, that she continues to think that it's Ares that's putting this into people's heads and that if she does kill the general, whom she thinks is Ares, this will all end. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this eventually leads up to her fighting the general it's a very quick fight kind of over yeah there's not really much to it which is it's fair because he's not a god exactly yeah um but i was kind of thrown off by this whole scene we kind of got into this earlier about sir patrick showing up here and revealing himself to in fact be Ares, and he kind of goes through this whole dialogue about showing her and proving to her that humanity is corrupt mm -hmm. and let's let's get into that discussion a bit more we, we've already kind of hit it on a bit but as we drive towards the end of this movie do you really think that and we've kind of already answered this ourselves but <laughs> do you really think that having Ares present at the end here is an appropriate way to end this film is this battle sufficient and does this satisfy you as far as a conclusion for the Wonder Woman story uh, I love the final battle. Like pe a lot of people that are praising this film are really um, crapping on this third act, saying you know it was too CGI heavy. To me, not at all. I love the fight. You know, I love seeing these two gods go at it and throwing like whatever they could at each other. I thought that was awesome. I didn't really like Ares' look. I was no, expecting no. a little bit different, um, especially because I got the four Wonder Woman toys and then they are action figures, and then the, the build a figure was Ares. And so I assumed he would look like he does in the action figure Build-A-Figure, which was way better than what we actually got. Um, but I love the fight. Uh, I thought Ares was very creepy when he would like, he was just like a shadow and then um, Wonder Woman would go to attack and he'd move places. Yeah. I, that scene with her in the close quarters was really cool. Um, but I, I loved it. I mean, as I said, like, you know, I would have really liked to see them maybe like build up Ares for a sequel. I agree. But I think... You know, Warner Brothers at this point is thinking, we're going to throw everything we can at this movie because we may not get another shot. This is our first Wonder Woman movie in 75 years. We're going to, you know, go for broke here and we're going to give you Ares and we're not going to tease a sequel because look at Green Lantern. They tease Sinestro oh. and we never get him yeah. because that movie bombed. And, you know, uh, I'm glad we got Ares and uh, yeah, I don't think he's dead and I think he's coming back maybe for a sequel or maybe for Justice League. Who knows? But uh, I like the fighting. I just didn't like Ares' look. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm one of the people who actually really liked the uh, last fight scene. I, I thought it was pretty cool. It's a little over the top. Again, I, I talked about before, I, I don't understand how her power level is like a million here. And then when it gets <laughs> to BVS, it's like on 100,000. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really didn't get that. But the look of Ares, I just wish they went with like the... Um, 
Injustice, the video game. Yeah. Harry's look in there is like perfect. I Absolutely. think that would have really suited this film. The fight scenes were cool though. Like the choreography was great. I, I don't really have any complaints about the, the fight scene here. It's, it's way better than the BVS one, in my opinion. And it's really cool to see Gal Gadot, you know, go toe-to-toe with, like, this, this big embodied, like, god. I, I thought that was cool because her fight scenes in BVS were awesome. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to just narrow it down to the two of them. The CG wasn't the greatest, again. Uh, I feel like they, they kind of blew the budget somewhere else because when it came to some of these fight Demascara. scenes... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. And, you know, it was darker, too, so they did what they could do. So, yeah, uh, for the most part, though, I did like this fight scene. Sorry. It, it was very Man of Steel, Superman versus Zod, like two gods going yeah. at it. Yeah. You know, I kind of got a little bit of that um, Matrix 3 vibe with Mr. Oh, Smith and Neo. okay, yeah. Going, a little bit. And it's a common superhero trope, though, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, you can't avoid this... And I, I really don't know how you could have done this without going down the path that we discussed before about mm-hmm. them seeding that, yeah, maybe it is Ares in the background, but it's really just man. Right. It is the true evil in this movie. Yeah. Right. And I think that for me, from a narrative standpoint, I think that would have been a really cool path to go. Mm-hmm. But like I said before, it doesn't make sense for the reveal that she is Wonder Woman. You right. need for her to realize that she is the God Slayer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And without Ares, you can't have that. Exactly. So and I, the, 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 the fight itself was, was good. Like, I wouldn't say it's my favorite fight, but yeah. no. you know, you put it on par with like Iron Man versus Ironmonger, and like, yeah, it's, it's very similar to that. You have a villain that's born out of the same mythology of your hero, and they have equal powers, and they kind of just punch at each other. It's yes. Zod and Superman, right? Mm-hmm. right? And so the only villain that they've never, or kind of, I guess, Rose Gallery never went down that path with is Batman, right? Yeah. He's always got someone that isn't of equal strength to him, but is intelligent, or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Th- yeah, it was it was fine. There's some cool moments in there with her with the lightning. They kind yeah. of indicate a bit that she can fly. So there's a lot of really iconic comic book looking moments in this fight, mm-hmm. and that's why I appreciate it more. And the, the, yeah, I didn't like his look. Yeah. <laughs> why he didn't just shed the skin and yeah. just become like you said something from Injustice or yeah. whatever? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he was this big brawny huge dude, yeah. but still carried that that kind of aristocrat looking British face yeah. with a mustache. Yeah, like, yeah. Why? Like the Monopoly man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, but overall, it was fine. It was yeah. my favorite action sequence. But this is something that's a common theme in these movies: is that yeah. it's often the middle action sequence that really captures us because mm-hmm. that's where they do something different. Yes. Yes. This comes down to we have to finish the movie. We have to have the big punch up, and we just have to kind of get to the end here. Right. Where the middle, they're always taking advantage of different things. This was No Man's Land. You look at Guardians with something different. Winter Soldier, like. That was the the fight with Bucky in the middle where Soldier oh, right. was really good. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of that. And you go back to a retrospective series, we're always praising the middle battles. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're better. The Hulk is the same way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So but all in all, like I think this this movie really hit it out of the park. And it kind of ends somewhat on a down note with Steve Trevor sacrificing himself very much in the same way that Steve Rogers does in Captain <laughs> yeah. America. Even yeah. down to this huge look and hydra ship. Yeah, that, that that he boards and flies off and, and ends up killing himself here. Yeah. So, no iceberg here, eh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he's frozen. Yeah, <laughs> for multiple movies. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, okay, we, you know, we know we took cues from here. We're just gonna pop him out of the ice. Yeah, <laughs> his death scene though it was good. Like I felt, yeah. you felt it. You know, you're mm-hmm. kind of like, oh man, because he, he, he they build him up throughout the movie. You like this guy. He's very charismatic. You you're rooting for him, mm-hmm. and you know what's gonna happen. You know he's gonna die. And he blows up, and the look on Diana's face tells it all. You yeah. know, yeah. so. You know, coming off of Guardians too, another another death that you felt with Yondu. Mm-hmm. This yes. was kind of on par, except Yondu got two movies to do it with, right? That's yeah. true. Yeah, it's a, it's an earned death. Yes, yeah, and, and that's why you feel it. Yeah, yeah. and I love this uh, line 
you can I can save today, but you can save the world. Love that yeah. Yeah. epic line. Yeah, yeah that's probably one of the best lines because in this movie, the, the dialogue was pretty pretty weak in my opinion. But that was one of the lines that stood out for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that line. I yeah. thought it was so like epic of, and it's so like true of Wonder Woman. Like you know, it shows that she you know it moved from like that dark ending that we talked about to that light where you know she's all about love and compassion. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hope. C- yeah. Kind of moved from a. Uh, I was gonna say Steve Rogers. Kind of moved from <laughs> Steve Trevor's story, like you mentioned before, and now passing that to the exactly. Diana. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a transition of a character story. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of doesn't go through that that typical hero's journey. Yeah. This isn't really a typical movie. Right. Like, mm-hmm. It does hit a lot of those beats that we're used to in origin stories. But I like that. Yeah, like you said, it transitions into something different yeah. by the end. The only thing that I didn't quite like about the end was that it never addressed this line from Batman vs Superman mm-hmm. about her leaving man's world because of the horrors or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Like I felt like it was going down that path. Yes. And it never really quite got there because she's kind of filled with hope. And the last scene that we do get her after they do go through the morning and they see his picture and all that, we come back to present day. And she said basically that she's been the protector of man ever since then, yeah. which doesn't exactly line up with what we've seen in previous movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of explanation that I would have liked there a bit more. And whether that not that that comes down to World War Two or something else, like other horrors of war that she's seen. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it just it ends on a much lighter note than I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because you bring that up because I remember when they first established this universe with uh, Man of Steel, they made it very known that he is the first superhero. Mm-hmm. Superman was the first superhero. And then we got Batman, who's been around for how long? So that yeah. was kind of weird. And now yeah. you have Diana, who's been around even longer. And no one's really brought up Wonder Woman before so yeah they, they kind of need to do some explaining here mm-hmm. i would have to say with probably these. justice league or something or wonder woman sequel they'll you mention think they, they might even ignore it though at this point because yeah, that's a lot I, of backtracking i to think go they're over. going to just ignore it i think yeah. so yeah. yeah just use this this wonder woman the success of it to springboard the rest of the universe yeah and use what they've built the relationship between her and bruce that they've right. applied here that they built a bit up in batman for superman i think they're going to take kind of the highlights and just kind of move forward with this and and just sweep some of the other stuff under the rug and just right. pretend that it doesn't exist and kind of move from there mm-hmm. do you think she could play the cap role now because you know when we had the mcu it was iron man ship to lead and now yeah. and then cap kind of came up and stole the show and now cap is the driving force behind yeah. the mcu at least i think do you think they could now switch gears here from going from batman and maybe going towards wonder woman to kind of push this universe forward see how this is the most critically successful dc dceu movie that we've gotten I wouldn't be surprised if they push Wonder Woman to the front of all the marketing now for Justice right. League because she is so uh, beloved and she has such a big hit of a movie. But we haven't seen the solo Batman film yet. And I think until we get that and see the reception of that and how well that does, then we won't really truly know. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't even think Warner Brothers knows at this point. Like, no. as a fan, I want some answers. I know we get Aquaman in 2018. I don't know what comes after. I don't know what comes in between Justice League and Aquaman, but it would be nice to know. I mean, okay, let's get this out of the way. Wonder Woman sequel is probably going to happen. Yeah. yeah, There's been the rumors. Patty Jenkins is probably signed on for a sequel. Yes. That's, that is more or less, if they don't green light that now. Yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. They're nuts. And I've been hearing rumors of that sequel. Um, She said that it'll take place in modern times and in America. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all it sets up maybe Cheetah, which is pretty cool. But like, when does this movie come out? I mean, you have so many films on the docket. You have Flash, Batman, Suicide Squad 2, Gotham City Sirens, uh, Justice League Dark. You have Flash, Nightwing, Batgirl, Justice League 2. Like, 
I want some answers. Yeah, but I, this is going to come down to November now. They've they've given themselves a good origin movie here. Mm-hmm. They, they've shown that they can produce a movie that people and critics both like. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to recommendations, we're all on that same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the next step is to do a team movie, right? I think with Man of Steel and Wonder Woman, they mm-hmm. show that, yes, when they're focusing on a single character, yes. and yeah. they have the time to develop them and maybe a villain a bit... Man of Steel, I don't know why it gets all the crap it yeah. does, but the song is great. Yeah, like, yeah I think amazing. I think the the solo movies they can do a Batman solo movie. I think it will be good. Yeah, for we, sure. Yeah, like we've seen that Nolan and I'm sure that Ben Affleck can produce something that will be well received. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it comes down to that next step is that team movie and then spinning out characters from the team movie. Mm-hmm. And I think they're waiting to see how Flash is received. Like we know Aquaman, I think is going to be probably pretty well received. Right. Mm-hmm. Cyborg's going to have a hard. Yes, yeah, Cyborg's going to have a hard yeah, time. Yeah. Like so, it's, it's building up these characters within this team movie and what they do next. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they're hesitant to say, this is what we're doing. They had all these plans around Suicide Squad being kind of their Guardians universe yeah. so they could kind of go dick around and do whatever. Yeah. And that just didn't work. Yes, they're probably going to go through with a sequel, but they really have to retool what they did there. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it is wait and see how Justice League does yeah. and mm-hmm. take these step by step. We're not going to rush the universe. There's no sense in DC trying to compete with Marvel and put out three, four movies a year just because they can. They need to focus. And mm-hmm. I think that's what this movie really does. Yeah. Is it focuses really well and develops the character and takes the time to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So guys, <laughs> with all that, let's quickly get into our recommendations yep. here. Troy, do you recommend Wonder Woman? Absolutely. Go out and see this movie. Go out and see it twice. And if you go, let me know. I'll join you because I'm going to go out there and see this movie. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. This is my favorite DCU movie we've had since Man of Steel. I still put Man of Steel number one. I put this number two. I put BVS number three. And I put Suicide Squad uh, number four. So, um, yeah, definitely go out there, check this movie. I give it five Wonder Woman shields out of five. <laughs> now, Sanjay, you've been teasing me for the better yeah. part of a week now whether or not you can recommend this. <laughs> Tough decision, but after careful consideration, I'm going to go with the recommend. So much praise goes to Gal Gadot. She killed it in this role. Her expressions, her fighting scenes, she crushed it. Uh, Chris Pine was excellent. All the other supporting cast, Lucy Davis, everyone else, uh, Patty Jenkins put together a terrific film. This is a timeless movie. This movie is going to age well. This is a movie that is going to turn around the ship for the DCU in terms of critical and audience reception. This is this is their Avengers. Like Avengers, you know, all the movies for the MCU up were doing fairly well. Then Avengers hit and everything just took off. This movie, I feel like, is going to help Justice League so much because now... You have the Batman crowd, which is huge. You have the Superman crowd. And now you throw in the Wonder Woman crowd. I mean, that's every demographic you got. You got men, women, old and young that want to see Justice League now. Mm -hmm. And this movie, because it was such a hit, is going to prop up that box office gross for Justice League. 50, 60, 70 million dollars worldwide. Just because it was one film. And you have to check it out. If you're a fan of Wonder Woman or a fan of comic book movies or action movies, uh, you have to check it out. And it was such an important film because, you know, if this film bombed, then who knows if Marvel would have went ahead with Captain Marvel? Who knows if we would have got Batgirl? Who knows if we would have got Gotham City Sirens? Now that this film has shown that you can A, have a female director like Patty Jenkins who can do an awesome movie, and you have a female-led superhero movie by Gal Gadot that, you know, female-led superhero films, if they're done correctly 
not like Catwoman or Supergirl or Electra. Yeah, so bad <laughs> that they can be big box office smashes. And now, you know, they smash the glass ceiling and now bring me more. I'm excited to see Wonder Woman 2, Batgirl. I'm excited to see Captain Marvel. I don't know too much about her, but I am excited to see what Brie Larson and the rest of the MCU crowd brings to that because, you know, frankly, it's been it's been overdue. It's been overdue yeah. that we get a great female superhero film, and I just can't stop gushing about this film. It is wonderful. Yeah, well put. <laughs> there you go. Well, boys, I'm going to echo your thoughts exactly. I, I think this is a definite recommend. This is the first DC extended universe movie that I will be recommending since Man of Steel. Nice. My list is the exact same as Troy's there. Okay. And yeah, like Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot deserve a lot of credit here, but I think we also have to focus in on some of the other highlights of this movie the writing yeah. was very well done it was mm-hmm. a lot tighter the cinematography and editing was yes. great it wasn't chopped up like batman versus right. superman we transitioned well from scene to scene from themiscare to world war one into this bigger wonder woman universe it was all very well executed yeah there are some weak points here the cgi and and some of the other things that that we discussed that just didn't feel as organic as the rest of the movie but overall this is a great movie and you guys should be going out there and checking out in theaters yeah this is 100 percent recommend for me and like i said last week this movie has the opportunity to be the biggest movie for comic books this year not to say that it's the highest grossing or it's going to be the best but it had the most to gain and the most to lose yeah. mm-hmm. and i think it's leaning towards that most to gain side this again gets that critical reception that fan reception and it shows that dc and warner brothers when they take their time they develop a character that can produce a good movie that is well received by general audiences that's what this film needed to do it didn't need to do 100 million dollars it needed to have a solid weekend it didn't need to be the best comic book movie of all time it just needed to be a good movie yes Mm -hmm. and it accomplished both of those things and i say right there that's what gives this one of the biggest successes already of this summer of this year's comic book movies how high do you think the box office gross is going to go i think it's going to fizzle pretty quick you think so there's a lot coming up oh i don't know because the mummy i've already heard that the mummy's going to come in second and this will come in number one two weeks but i don't think this is going to this isn't going to go up a billion dollars or anything oh not billion this will do maybe 600 worldwide i mean you think about it you that's four times his budget. That's, yeah. that's pretty that's good. good. It's, yeah. gonna, it's definitely going to make money. He, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Warner Brothers is just going to be rolling in stacks of cash these yeah. days. Yeah. Which is good because if you look at their other films, like King Arthur, which was a bomb. That took yeah. a beating. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Warner Brothers really only has Harry Potter and DC Comics to go forward. So it makes sense that they want to get this universe right for critics and audiences alike. And it seems like they're listening. And I'm looking for it. I mean... I'm really looking forward to see what comes from Comic-Con that we get from the DC Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. A proper Justice League trailer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing Wonder Woman this week. We look forward to continuing talking positive about the DC Universe. (laughs) And that is me talking. That is a genuine comment from me. I look forward to doing more of these reviews where we're more or less on the same page. I sometimes like the the more antagonistic ones, but at the same time, it's good to come around and roll around and talk positive about DC here. So I'm really, really happy about that. I'm really happy that this movie turned out that way. And for next week, we're going to be talking a lot of news. I'm going to be catching up on what we missed this week. It's been some great Star Wars news that's dropped. We're going to be continuing the discussion with DC. I'm going to be picking back up on some comic book discussion too, as a lot been going down with Secret Empire and a few other comic book runs that have been dropping last couple of weeks especially this week's darth vader that cover be, yes 
Action figure cover of Anakin. Yes. <laughs> so if you guys would like to hear more talk about all sorts of nerd news from the Marvel, DC, and Star Wars worlds, make sure you tune back in here next week, next Thursday, for all the discussion of everything comic books and movies. So guys, for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and Troy the Boy 87 Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.